David, David, uh, we just watched The Mitchells versus the Machines. Can we can we talk about it? Ooh, sorry, Christian. I'm a little occupado. Want to check out this mallard? It's dead. Never mind. I'll I'll go talk to Bond. Hey, what's up? Did you see what fucking David's doing over there? He fucking killed the mallard and he's hanging it up and like why? This mallard yeah, it, rules. It's on his bullshit again. It's on his bullshit again. Like it's dead. It is dead. He is right about that. Yeah, it's definitely it's dead. It's definitely dead. Yeah. I'm masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, Mary kill. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Fuck, Mayor kill. So there's the one that you have sex with, there's the one that you kill, and the one that you elect to a fairly prestigious public office on a city level. <laughs> We're going to play that all, today. All mayoral elections from <laughs> yep. now on are fuck, Mayor yeah. kill. We've been campaigning for ranked choice voting for so long, and what we mean by that this is, is fuck, This Mayor is what ranked choice voting looks like. That's what ranked choice voting looks like. <laughs> That's what freedom looks like. Yeah, man. <laughs> Fuck Mary. Mayor Kill. I keep saying it wrong. <laughs> oh, shit. <sighs> Welcome to Contextual Deviants. My name is Christian Hagen. Each episode, we watch a movie, and then we talk about that movie through a series of randomly generated critical contexts provided to us via our contextual computer, prompting us on a journey of discovery and weirdness as we talk about this movie as if no one has ever talked about it before, slash, in a way that no one has ever talked about it before. I might have phrased that weird. What matters is that I'm doing this with my friends and co-hosts, who I'm so glad are with me again, Misters David Gutchy. Oh, shit. Hello. And Matthew Bond. Oh, hey, hi. <laughs> I mean, just because the last few episodes I introduced Bond first does not mean that there's like a specific pattern I follow, <laughs> David. Don't put me in a box. I can say hi to you first if it's I want to. It's just so scary. Yeah, you are very, you've, you're very easily frightened. Yeah, no kidding. I'm like a small horse or a big horse. I think all horses are pretty easily frightened in my experience. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You you do like to frighten horses. Yeah, well, uh, unintentionally and intentionally. They're a good... When you're building a haunted house. So, when you're building a haunted house... <laughs> and when you're building a haunted house... You gotta have a horse. <laughs> <laughs> you walk that horse through, see how he spooks, and you got yourself a deal. Ding, ding. Check all those boxes. Scares a horse, it'll scare a mule. Scare a mule, it'll scare a donkey. Scare a donkey, you can scare a baby. <laughs> That's my guarantee. <laughs> Here at Dave's Haunted House Emporium. Come on down. 1-800-GET-SCURD. That's S-C-R-R-D. <laughs> I want that to be the rest of the show. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Do you have any questions for me about my emporium? 
Let's just, let's just shut down the podcast and just listen to Dave. David lists off different different transitive animals to humans that could be frightened to justify the quality of a haunted house. Oh fuck me! Well, we do have to move on from That's that. Unfortunately. What, what movie are we doing today? What, well, because this we time here? we're doing another 2021. This will be our uh, fourth 2021 feature in a row. Oh my Let's see, God. We've done, what are the four we've done so far? We've are, done, we, are uh, we influencers? Is that? Yeah, that's what we. That's what that's, this means. That's what this means. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. We're influencers. Now we'll be influencers in the haunted house space. We have been in the movie space. <laughs> uh, we did. Well, speaking of space, we did Space Sweepers. We did Godzilla mm-hmm. vs Kong. Mm-hmm. What was the one we did before that? Uh, oh, Flora and Ulysses. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. oh wow, wow, that movie went away from my brain completely. Wow, wow. same. And I liked Whoops. that movie. Me too. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. If you asked me what movies have you watched this year, I, if I had a week, I wouldn't be able to think of it. <laughs> That's terrifying. What happened? Yeah, wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, but this one will be very memorable because we watched it last night. <laughs> the movie is <laughs> the new Netflix original film, The Mitchells versus The Machines, from the studio that brought you Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Uh, comes an all-new animated feature about a family on a cross-country road trip as they get uh, attacked by the robot uprising uh, that, you know, threatens to take over all of mankind. And this ragtag group of weird family members has to save the world. Like you do. Like you do. Like you do. I, I mean, that pitch alone is really good. Like, I think, you know, the whole, like, one-sentence description... Family gets attacked on a road trip by a bunch of, <laughs> I almost said ragtag robots, renegade robots. <laughs> well, if you count the two robots yeah, who help them. there are some ragtag robots. There kind of are That's some ragtag robots. That's yeah. a good point. They, they are both. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's yeah. just, it. that premise is such a good hook. Like, mm-hmm. that. that's awesome. And, and the movie really does deliver on the promise of that hook. Yeah. That's it's awesome. a very simple setup. Mm-hmm. Uh I was thinking about, as I was watching it, I was like, this is kind of like a basic story, like not super crazy original, mm-hmm. but the way they edit everything together, and of course the, the like the dialogue and stuff, uh, the character writing uh, makes it shine through, but totally. uh, for me the visual flair is really what sells this movie, because oh, it's, it's wow. got a look that's all its own. Wow. wow. Um, yeah. It's Much phenomenal. like Into the Spider-Verse, it really was like, hey, what if we did it a little different and we just tried stuff? And yeah, hell yeah. They, they well, what it. they figured out that I think so many animation studios have been, they've been so deadlocked between CGI and hand drawn mm. and like the, the keeping those ideas separate. And these guys are like, how about, <laughs> how about we use CGI to make everything look like it's claymation and then draw over it. Like it's a telltale game yeah. uh, for all the expressions and like the patterns and stuff. And it gives it this sort of tactile feel. And then just like explosions of hand-drawn animation like mm-hmm. wafting throughout. Amazing. Uh, it's, it's so clever. It's so unique. Um, and I hope that more, more movies like this keep coming. Because mm-hmm. animation really coming through uh, a renaissance right now. IMO. Yeah, baby. Yeah, but you know what? That's a normal context that someone would talk about this movie through. <laughs> we should try doing something a little bit more our speed. Let's spice you guys it ready for up. one? Let's Put your spice foot it. on the gas. I'm ready to Put go my your speed. gas foot up my butt.
I will. Hey, guys. Hey. I, I can't remember. Is this Die Hard? Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> okay. I, ooh. Let me, let me, uh, I pulled up a few notes on this movie when I was watching it. And I, I somehow, I left the title out every time when hey. I was talking about it. So it could be. It actually could be. I don't think, uh, I don't think I know. So I, there's a legitimate chance that this is. Uh, it's got guns in it. Does it? Right? Well, the robots kind of shoot stuff. Yeah, I guess. There's so, like, lasers. They, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess if you think about it in terms of like the, the, the sort of lasery stuff they have on their arms, and yeah. then at one point they take those mm-hmm. from the robots and use them against them. Right. Much in the same way that John McClane takes the guns away from the terrorists mm-hmm. and use them against mm-hmm. them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, totally. very similar in that that respect, sure. Yep, definitely. Sure. It's an action Big, escape mm-hmm. set piece that is more or less about uh, family relationship dynamics. Ooh, that's true. Um, obviously, in Die Hard, it's about a marriage. Uh, in this movie, it's more about fathers and their children. Mm-hmm. But still uh, very much about, like... Something's broken. It needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The interpersonal mixing with the uh, the action. It's a big it skyscraper. It features an explosion at the protagonist's backs. That's true. <laughs> a couple times, I think. That's important. At least That's the once, for sure. Yeah. Which is very fun. Um, yeah. And you could make the argument that if if you juxtapose the kinds of material that the good guys and the bad guys in this movie are made of, you might say that the motivation of the humans is to destroy the rigid or to die hard. Okay. Like, like, if they want to kill the robots, which are like metal and the laundry machines and all that stuff, like it's all hard. But like the soft is the love and the humans and like, and that lives. You live soft and you die hard, I think is. So yes, again, I think, I think this is die hard. David, that's the most sense you've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do shit like that because I don't. I've never seen all of Die Hard. <laughs> God damn it, so David! We have to I watch have to Die Hard with you. Things that I know, and one thing I know about the movie Die Hard is that it's called the two words Die Hard. I that is that. true. That is I yeah. Know that one. You do have that one down, Cole. And there's a, there's 100%. a guy in a sweater vest that pulls up at some point. And he, Right? Doesn't he? Or... No, but his name is Argyle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> I'll know, give you that one. That one's fair, though. <laughs> no, let me keep going. So there's a guy in a sweater vest, drives a Jeep. <laughs> Not a limo. Oh, uh, well, there's, there's a... Um, well, I guess it's not really a chauffeur in this movie per se no but there's driving there's but a lot there, of driving there's driving stuff. there's a lot of driving a lot of action lot of i mean when you think about it it's a lot when of you action. think about it there's a lot when of action you, when, you think, <laughs> when you really think about it when you really <laughs> when you really put your brain to it there's a lot of action in this movie if you if you have a really high iq you can see that there's a lot of action in this movie. <laughs> um in Let's see. In the Nakatomi building, I wish I could remember the name of Bonnie Bedelia's boss. Uh, the, the like, Japanese businessman who is first taken hostage and then murdered in front of everyone else to, like, set an example. Uh, but, like, in this one, you've got Eric Andre playing the tech CEO whose name I can't remember. 
um, who is taken hostage by Pal, whose intent is to kill him. Uh, Mark Bowman, thank Mark you. Mark Bowman. Uh, who uh, is going to uh, unleash a brand new slate of robots all over the world, and then the robots turn out to be bad. Um, which which is not, not really Die Hard related. No, it's no. It's not no, really no. the plot of Die Hard. No, which was a moment that, just as a kind of an aside, I thought was really fun because the minute that Mark Bowman went out on that stage and was like, hey, what's up? Like, here's the new robots. And I was like, great, we're going to have to go through the 10 minutes of movie or even 20 or 30 where everybody pretends these robots are cool and won't be evil. And they just skipped it. They were just like, he's, he just went out and said like, don't worry, they're not going to be evil. And then immediately they became evil. And the plot was just like, let's go. Like, we don't care. They're evil now. The whole thing is about them killing these evil robots, not about how they turn evil. And I was like, thank you so much, Mitchell versus the machines. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. It saved a lot of time. Yeah, Yeah. it really did. Much like how in Die Hard, the terrorists, like they just start shooting right away. So, you know. Oh, you know they're true. the bad guys, they right? Set the, the tone. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. No ambiguity whatsoever. Yep. 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 Wow. Um, there's. Well, okay. So a father and a daughter are are splitting up, much like a husband and a wife are splitting up splitting in Die up. Hard. Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely. And there's kids uh-huh. in Die Hard too. Like they have kids who yeah. are sort of, put oh. not in harm's way, but they have their own little subplot going on. <laughs> is there a uh is there a dog in Die Hard? Ugh, I wish. Um there might the one be thing that movie's missing. <laughs> we could look we could look real quick. <laughs> I'm gonna Google it. Is there a dog there... in Die Hard? <laughs> <laughs> oh I bet there's a result that actually answers that. Dang, uh there is a breed of dog named the Die Hard. So what? that's pretty fun. So that's uh, the coolest dog ever. And, and also, like? there's no dog death in Die Hard. That's true. So we that got one that, thing and there's no dog sure. death in Mitchell vs. the Machines. Thank God. This dog was put into about as much peril as there could possibly be, <laughs> but because of the amazing joke that robots can't recognize what it is and they <laughs> self-destruct, he was totally fine. Oh, so good. What the funniest joke. for me is when, when there's that one where he like briefly is like, okay, and then he's like, wait, what? And then just oh, like, when, he, when, he, when he caught the car? <laughs> yes, that's right. He caught the car and then just like immediately freaks out again. God. <laughs> God, what Beck time? Bennett as the robots in this movie. Uh, very very fun. Very mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Very fun for being super evil. Very fun. For being so evil. Uh, uh, so, okay. So what? Olivia Coleman as pal obviously would be our Hans Gruber character Classic. because she's sort of leading the, the evil yep. group. Yep. However, mm. who in this would be more likely to be John McClane? The, mm. uh, the daughter who is sort of... Mm, misunderstood she's trying her best she wants to go back to or she wants to go to new york uh which is yeah. also but yeah they're in california and yeah. want to go to new york which is, yeah. is is also wait no they're not in uh california where are they from they end up going to california instead of new york because that's where the source of the action is which is exactly <laughs> what happens to die hard because he's a new york cop who has to go to la and that's where the nakatomi building is so huh. anyway there you go. Okay. Uh, parallels, parallels. So would it be would it be her or would it be the dad who's this sort of like middle aged kind of 
kind of over it kind of dude who uh, was just yeah. trying trying That's one last ditch effort to get his daughter to love him. <laughs> I do think there's there's Bruce more Willis character similarities the there for sure. Mm-hmm. Like if you just look at the character of um, Rick Mitchell and the character of John McClane, like there's more interchangeability. But like as far as role in the narrative, I feel like mm-hmm. uh, Katie. Mitchell mm-hmm. is more like John McClane because like she's the one that has to like go in and like break them all out and like do all of the final stuff with like climbing the the thing and doing the kill code and all that business. Sure. So sure. like it may be both. Like as as last time we talked about this context, sometimes in the world there's two John McClanes. There's mm-hmm. one inside all of us. I think that's the motto of Die Hard. <laughs> there's two John McClane's inside all of us. No, there's one just one. Is good and one is evil. Which one wins? It's the one you feed. <laughs> Thank you for this. Yes. Um, but, uh... Oh, oh! Oh, oh. She, there is a Reginald Bell Johnson oh. in her little brother who, with the pterodactyl eyes, who's like <laughs> over the radio telling her oh, what to, shit. like telling yeah. her what dangers coming. That is yep. incredibly true. Yes, 100%. One to one. Pterodactyl eyes. Oh my god. Uh, what a little gem. What a little gem. <laughs> I loved him calling people and being like, hey, do you want to talk about dinosaurs? <laughs> no? Okay, bye. Okay, just, goodbye. Like, <laughs> Through the phone book. Just yeah, out of the, the phone book. book. <laughs> Not brilliant. even a Absolutely registry brilliant. of any kind. Amazing. Adorable. Do you want to talk to uh, me about dinosaur? Did we decide in Argyle? We did not decide in Argyle. I think that's important. <sighs> I guess... Would it be the robots that are malfunctioning? Mm, yeah, the malfunctioning robots would make the most sense. Yeah. Yeah? Ah, shit. Shit. Although the mom also could be a pretty decent Argyle, although she's a lot more active than Argyle is until yeah. the very end of the movie when he stops that one bad guy. So, I mean, well, I would say that the mom is... He has sort of an awakening at the, yeah. at the <laughs> end in comparison to her involvement physically throughout. Like, mm-hmm. she was definitely the one that was kind of supporting and everything, and then she got real mad and kill build and... You know, she literally she, did she kill did, Bill. Which is she went, they did the whole noise a great and everything. Cue. Yeah, they sure did. And what I especially love yeah. about them making Kill Bill references in this ch- children's film uh, <laughs> is how many kids are going to be like, "What is that fucking noise?" Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. That's the thing. But like, and what's wild is I think I heard that noise in a spoof before I had seen Kill Bill, and so. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, yeah, I guess it's a siren. I guess they're like the cops or something. I don't know. <laughs> it just like made sense contextually, but I, I didn't know why. And then and then mm. I saw Kill Bill and I was like, oh, it's that. That's the thing. Mm. Oh, that. Oh, that. All right, guys. We're, we're, we're running out of time here. What? Let's let's all of us determine. Is this or is this not Die Hard? Oh. We're going to go three, two, one. I'm going to say, okay. actually, how about we just go in a round? David, yep. is this Die Hard? Yeah. Matthew, is this Die Hard? It's going to be yes for me. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm so sorry. Mm. I know. I know. I, wish I don't know how we're going to overcome this. Uh, we should probably move on to another context, yeah. though. Oh, I, thought, I thought we watched the same movie, but I guess not. I know. Were we even watching the same movie? <laughs> oh, boys. Oh, boys. This must be a greatest hits night. <laughs> we got to put a stand in this movie. Uh, <laughs> 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 Listeners... Long-time listeners will know this, but new listeners, we are going to talk about where in this film one could fit 
the character of Stan Podolak, Michael Jordan's assistant from the movie Space Jam, as played by Wayne Knight, uh, who you may also know from Seinfeld and Jurassic Park and many other things. So where would Stan Podolak fit in the Mitchells vs. the Machines besides everywhere? And, and I, I really want to just clarify real quick. Is this uh, in place of, or in addition to, or both? Both. I mean, because I could see him playing every role in this film. Yeah. I think the first very, I almost, well, it's not too good. Because there are some ways that it doesn't work. But he could be a Rick. Him as Mm -hmm. Rick could be a twist. And I think think the twist of it, like the, the setup between Katie and Rick, is more nerdy daughter versus traditional woodsy dad and i think if you put a stan in it and you put this like the geeky dad that is like overbearing and always wants to like why won't you come play dungeons and dragons with me and your brother and like and katie's like oh dad are you kidding me like that sucks you suck and like then they have to go on a family road trip where he's a nerd and she hates it like that could work, but you have to yeah. screw up the character a little bit to make Stan. Or like maybe he's, I mean, if it's Stan Podolak, maybe he's just very busy as an assistant to Michael Jordan <laughs> or some other star. <laughs> and, and he never has time for his family. And he loves sports. He loves, he cares a lot about sports, NBA. but his, but he loves the NBA, but uh, his daughter doesn't care about, Katie doesn't care about sports. Yeah. So like that could work. Mm, yeah, that could work. I love the idea of putting Stan in this movie and then having his character be, I'm just too busy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stan Poto, like having a normal dad life is one of the hardest things to imagine for me. <laughs> yeah, Stan Poto, like having children. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Impossible. He definitely a stepdad situation. I think it's yeah. almost certainly I mean, a stepdad. Unless situation. there is some subtext with Lola that I wasn't catching. No, yeah. oh, there is, but that's, you know, they'll, they'll cover that in Space Jam 2. Don't worry. <laughs> I have oh gotten a personal guarantee from Mr. Lebron James that there will be a Stan in it. I haven't looked at the IMDb. Is Wayne Knight on the cast list for Space Jam? I haven't checked. I'm too scared. Probably to not. Find out that he's not. I'm gonna, I'm but I'm not gonna tell. Uh, oh, well, that's that seems cruel. You just yes, just look cool. at my face and see if I'm happy or not. <laughs> but you're always happy. Yeah, David, you're oh, such a chipper fellow. That's true. I am. Uh, wow, there's a lot of people in this movie. Holy shit. Yeah, well, they, they've got the rapists from A Clockwork Orange right uh, front and center. So, like... But they got rid of Pepe Le Pew, so they're, you know... They're, they're one on step forward and all that. Uh, yeah, jeez. Wow. I don't even... It's hard to say. It's hard to say whether he's here or not. But so, yeah, Stan could be the dad character, of course. But yeah. it would... Yeah, you're right. It would have to change a little bit what his, like, obsessions are his interests right, that he right, can't right, connect right, with his yeah. daughter about. Uh, Stan Podolak could just be Stan Podolak mm-hmm. and not not any relation to the family at all, but just has a subplot in which Michael Jordan is taken in one of these green things and he's trying to find out what the hell's going on and rescue Michael Jordan. I would love that. Because he's still I working for him. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So just a separate like a side yeah, story just, where they run yeah, into... You, like, yes, absolutely. Like, you see like 30... You see 30 seconds of his storyline at a time. 
Oh my god! Short. Like in the background of every other like finale scene, like stands. <laughs> or they like, just end up releasing it as like a as a short, like they do with the Pixar movies, where they always got like the Jack Jack attack and stuff. It's just Stan Podolak's bad day with the machines, <laughs> and they're like, "Who's Stan Podolak? Oh, that that weird side Wait, character from, from Space, Space Jam? Jam that contextual deviance is obsessed with." And he's filmed in live action. Everything else is still <laughs> yes. a cartoon. He's the only one. There oh, is some live-action stuff in this movie, which I found kind of interesting. Oh, that's true, yeah. Uh, for example, the family in the frame. <laughs> when they're, they're like, what about my, that like, What about that picture? That came with the frame, and it's just a stock photo. Well, like, the first so shot good. of the movie is a, is an, mm-hmm. is a shot of a, like a, just a regular photograph of actual people. And yeah, a couple. and then there's that, that real gibbon. Yeah, the uh, real gibbon. Yeah. Oh, man, what a callback. Mm-hmm. Such fun. I, I thought, uh, hey, just to kind of as an aside, the jump off of that, I thought that this movie did a good job of not being mimetic while referencing mimetic culture. I thought that it towed that line really well because there were a lot of things in it that were like, look, the internet, but weren't specifically like, if you watch this movie one year later, you won't get it kind of jokes about the internet. Like, what are those? Or something like that. Like, they didn't do those jokes. <laughs> they like... They did. They did jokes about how the internet works without making the jokes that the internet makes. Yeah. If that makes no sense. one's singing "Chocolate Rain" in this movie. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. Actually, they should have. They all should. <laughs> they all should have. That. That's what the musical number should have. Kept been. waiting for it. Didn't come. Not that Rihanna song. It okay. Been what if Stan Podolak was a different character? Not Rick. I. I. Or I'm himself. Hu- I kind of like the idea of him being pal, like oh, just because okay. it would be he, he's so ineffectual that it would be very, very, very funny to watch him f- fail eventually. But like controlling all of these robots who are like these perfect machines who are more technologically advanced, but it's Stan who's in charge of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's like telling him to do stuff and they can't quite do it. And he's like, what the fuck? Anyway. Yeah. I like that. Um, I mean, would we want him? To, would, would would I want him to be Stan Podolak, the man, or would I want him Stan to be Podolak. the mind of Stan Podolak in an AI? Mm. Oh, that's a tough one. Like, because I yeah. can't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think it could just be him, the man. Right. Because Stan really... Podolak after the singularity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Here, here's what it is. Mark Zuckerberg or whatever the guy's name is, you know, who, who's to say who makes the who makes the pals. It, instead of having it be like a British Siri-esque, Alexa-esque, Google Assistant, etc., like that brand of phone assistant aesthetic. Mm-hmm. This this guy, Mark, he's like, it needs to be just a regular dude, just a blue collar Sam Podolak type, and then his his like co-engineer person Steve Jobs style is like what if it was Stan Podolak and everybody turns they're like it's perfect it's amazing oh my god and so they so they make Stan be the AI assistant and then he decides that he's gonna he's figured it out and blah 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 and whatever yeah he decides he wants to upgrade to these robots but he wants to keep the aesthetic of Stan Podolak (laughs) so he builds an army of identical Stan Podolak shaped robots Mm -hmm. they're just as effective they (laughs) do everything perfectly just like these robots but they look like Stan Podolak instead of like robots the most generic robots that you can think of instead of anything more aesthetically pleasing right no they look exactly like Stan Oh, oh I love God. that. I love that. And I think it would work. 
because then you get you know Stan Podolak's got range. He gets to be the yeah. evil robot. He can he shoot the two. He can shoot robots. the three. He's got range. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I, I find that fun, conceptually. <laughs> I think that could be fun. I think that could be fun. He also seems like exactly the kind of person who would fail his way up into being a tech CEO, only for everything to blow up in his face. He could be Mark. Yeah. He could definitely be Mark. I could see Stan being Mark. Because Mark basically... I don't, I'm not really convinced, and maybe this was the point. Mark Bowman is not a character that seems smart or savvy in any way. (laughs) And I think that was part of the joke. But, like, he's clearly just out there, like, you know, he can't even help himself out of his own, out of his own little hexagon. Yeah. He's he's just sad. And I I feel like he did a lot of groveling and a lot of crying. And I think Stan is great at both of those things. (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. He's got a lot of experience in those areas. Stan loves to grovel. What if... What if he's a member of the perfect family from next door that they're, like, obsessed with? Oh, that's good. He could be that. He is is one of the most perfect people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that that could be fun. I kept I kept waiting for that family to not be perfect. Right. I kept waiting for the, the twist of there. Like it turns yeah. out their life is actually like yeah. I wanted it to be like a commentary about how people only put the positive things on Facebook. Like it turns right. out that there's like some shitty stuff going on that they don't share. Yeah, and that but really no, they just end up just being yeah. a perfect family. I, I didn't I, I felt like that like I felt about Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, or King Kong. I never say it right, so maybe it's a different thing than I No, no, said. you did it right. Oh, you did it right? Hey, yeah. wow. And I undermined myself. Haha, <laughs> cool. Yeah, exactly. Godzilla versus Kong had the thing where they were like conspiracy theorists. Hey, here they are. Yeah, they're probably right. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> it was like that with like Instagram. It was just like, oh, they actually are just a really, really nice family that has every skill and get along great. Like, cool yeah <laughs> you couldn't uh you couldn't have like uh just gotten in there a little bit but it's fine i mean, I mean in I some ways they're doing kind of bad. the like the world's end kind of thing where it's like they're dumb mm-hmm. and the world would probably be better without a lot of humans <laughs> yeah. but the fact that they're dumb is what makes them valuable <laughs> right yeah um, yeah yeah that's true <laughs> the all world's end <laughs> uh any other places we could see stan podolak ending up in mitchell's versus the machines <sighs> mochi Manchi. Manchi. Uh, Manchi. The dog. We keep doing it. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah, because he also, it would be hard to determine between a dog, a pig, and a loaf of bread for Stan Podolak. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if he's in that dirty jumpsuit after he gets burnt by the Monstars. <laughs> the Monstars. <Ooh>. The Monstars. <laughs> I could see him being like a human assistant to Pal that just like is so scared that he just like helps her out for a bit as like an assistant mm. as a gopher that seems like exactly the kind of character Stan Podolak would end up being like he <laughs> oh, yeah. gravitates to the most uh, powerful individual in this case an AI mm-hmm. and he does whatever they want so that they won't hurt him yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah somehow pal scans all of humanity and finds the most compliant grovelly individual and says there we need that one that's the model human (laughs) that's that's the one we need and like elevates him to security or head of like 
the Secretary of Defense of the Palace Administration. <laughs> this one gets to stay. Yeah, this one. This is the this single remind one. Me, this will remind me why I sent the other humans to space. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's actually pretty plausible and would be kind of a fun joke. Mm-hmm. Poor Stan. Yeah. He just... What a, poor Stan. A poor Stan. Yeah. Poor Stan. <laughs> True. <laughs> lovable idiot. A lovable idiot. Oh, God, do I ever. <laughs> let's let's do another context. I've been waiting for this one since we came up with it. Twist! This movie is a stealth sequel. This movie, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, is it turns out that there's a twist that we find out that it's a stealth sequel to another existing film. Mm. What is this movie most likely to be a stealth sequel to? Hmm. Uh, first, first guess. Mm-hmm. It's a stealth sequel prequel. <laughs> it's a stealth prequel. Uh, you're saying to not Isaac Asimov, but Will Smith's iRobot. <laughs> I was gonna. Yep, that's uh, good. Because that's definitely the movie that has the biggest hordes of same-looking robots that are meant to be cool and then take over. Like, it's almost you know, like the writers of this movie just said, like iRobot. Yeah, like iRobot. It's and then they like just did it, yeah. and they did iRobot as the backdrop to the family drama. They were like, "Let's just do the iRobot yeah. thing, and that'll be no." Fine. Liter- literally, like, I'm pretty sure that is what this movie yeah. was pitched as. Yep. Like we we put family road trip thing, but they have to fight iRobot, <laughs> and Will Smith is not there. <laughs> no Will Smith. <laughs> Take him out. I think I think it's a, and the reason I say prequel is because I'm pretty sure iRobot takes place like pretty far in the future, or at least like uh, yeah, somewhat, like yeah. definitely not like present day. So I think that this is kind of like an omen, like it happened once and then it somehow got buried, or something like that, and then maybe that tech was what they found in iRobot, and there's there's little hints about that or something in like the final <laughs> shots of the movie that are similar to the opening shots of iRobot somehow. Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? Yeah, but yeah, I think, that's I think it could be a part one. of the robot the stealth prequel. Franchise. That's good. Yeah, stealth prequel. That's good. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Bon, you got any ideas? Uh, that was that was actually that's <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> yeah. it's just right there. Yeah, yeah. It's. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? Did you have any? I was thinking it could be a stealth sequel to The Circle, um, <laughs> <laughs> that oh. Tom Hanks Emma Watson movie about how about Google or whatever, like a mm-hmm. fake Google that's yeah. bad. I never watched it, but I just assume it was about the same stuff as this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Kind of. I think so. Mm -hmm. Turns out the company that makes PAL is the circle or whatever the fuck they are. Yeah. I think that this movie is a stealth sequel to the movie The Artist because it's a movie about... It's a movie made in the style that the movie praises and, like, the main character practices. Like... It's a movie for people that like animated movies with a main character that makes animated movies. Like, that's the only. Th- it's it's kind of like a hey, okay. if you're watching this movie, you probably appreciate the protagonist's <laughs> chosen line of work, which is making this movie. <laughs> it's, so it's more of a spiritual stealth sequel. They, yeah, absolutely, spiritual stealth sequel. <laughs> they have nothing to do with each other, but they are in the same oeuvre as basically being a little snake eating its own little tail. <laughs> The, the classic spiritual stealth sequel. It's about as subtextual as you possibly can get. Oh, here we, what what if, we what if, go. What if it's a stealth sequel to Sorry to Bother You? 
Okay, um, okay, okay. All mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's it's the kids' movie version of Sorry to Bother You. Oh, shit. Uh, but less about race. In fact, not about race at all. Yeah, no, no. But... <laughs> less uh, less the, the meaning evil zero corporate, about race. The evil tech corporation uh, is still definitely mm-hmm. a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically, like, every part of Sorry to Bother You is, like, turned down in severity. <laughs> and the only one that remains is, like, big company bad, though. And it's like, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> right because mm-hmm. yep, yep. it wasn't even as much about the tech being bad well as it i was, was expecting it i actually made a note about this because i was thinking it was like wow they're going really uh surprisingly anti-tech company for mm-hmm. a movie produced by by sony mm-hmm. and then as the movie went along it became less about the corporate overreach and more about just technology being evil in kind of like a black mirror way and it's like yeah okay i mean they, they slipped in the commentary. Like, Eric Andre is pretty much the only character who got to say any lines uh, criticizing tech CEOs, yeah. which, yeah, which is, is probably weird. the only way to get... And yeah. when they did it, I loved it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, I wish that had been more of the focus of the sort yeah. of, like, evil plot instead of just like no but we spend too much time on our phones and it makes us not get each other like that that can't be it like we have to stop ending movies with let's all put down our phones and love each other like stop stop it we're watching this on our phones stop it (laughs) (laughs) yeah quit shaming me for enjoying wi-fi yeah i'm watching this on netflix it it truly (laughs) is like america making pocahontas it's like hey hello (laughs) hello yeah who who do you think you are disney like you're these people exactly Uh, yeah exactly yep uh a stealth sequel to the social network would also be fun Uh, this is the the sort of uh end result of that whole of that whole mess oh man what if the social network was a two-parter and the first parter was like biopic very much trying to be true to life and then the second half was (laughs) sci-fi and it was like and then what if but it was but it was the same tone it was like aaron sorkin still directed by david fincher yeah and and david fincher absolutely like still a completely the same feel but a post-apocalypse or like a sci-fi apocalypse featuring these robots and all of the things that happen in this movie that would be pretty cool i think yeah so instead of like marvel's what if it's facebook's what if yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The dark future, the dark future possibilities of Facebook. <laughs> yes, that's what their internal. They've got like an internal review board that their job is to come up with fictional stories of what could happen if Facebook became even more evil. <laughs> there's a there's a some parts of this movie for one reason or another, and I can't quite figure it out. Feel to me like the Honey I Blank the Kids movies. Mm-hmm. Or the honey we shrunk ourselves. There's a, the energy of this movie is very similar to those, uh, yeah. and I think if someone made Honey We Shrunk the Kids now, it would feel a lot like Mitchell's versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that is a much more local catastrophe. <laughs> it does not <laughs> balloon to uh, worldwide proportions, but but I think I think there's some similarities in tone, and I wonder if those could just be like the grandparents. Of. Yeah, or maybe like the technology that they came up with in that was somehow adapted into making the robots. Yeah, yeah. And that's so it's, why they went out of control. Yeah. It's Honey, We Shrunk the Kids, and then it's Honey, We Blew Up the Baby, and then it's Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, and then it's Honey, We Grew the Network, and then it's Honey, We Blew Up the Honey, the Network Blew Up. <laughs> honey, We Grew the Network. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yep. So the social network is still part of this. Yep, I, it's got to be. It's it's too obviously a, a stealth prequel to this movie. <laughs> so I think I think that's canonical. Uh, it could be a stealth sequel to a TV series, um, oh. Parks and Rec. This is years Ooh. down the road. This is Andy Dwyer and April Luggett's uh, ch- uh, family, <laughs> and a- I Andy's like the that. dad that doesn't quite get it. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. make sense. Yeah, that would, I, that would track. That totally tracks. I I feel like Rick is unfortunately much more capable than Andy Dwyer. Well, that's that's true, but also I he's the only person I could picture having such a hard time with a computer at this day and age. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that dad yeah. can't be like forty and like. He's got to know how to use a computer. That, <laughs> right. like, that's that's a joke from like ten years. Yeah, ago. The, I guess the movie. I, mean, I guess it mailing. could be Ron Swanson. Yeah, it could oh, be Ron Swanson. True. It could be. But yeah, like actually, he also has yeah. like a family in that. But if you tone, he's also if you a bit like, more capable. If you amp up the family part of Ron Swanson a little bit, which mm-hmm. is yeah. <laughs> barely there, but if you barely. turn that up, all of a sudden Rick Mitchell is Ron Swanson in a yeah, lot of ways. Yeah, true. He's just yeah. a nice Ron Swanson. He's <laughs> not a dick and wants kids. Uh, and I guess Lucille Lawless is a, is pretty cool, so she would be a pretty cool mom. Yeah, actually, she's so, Lucy yeah. Lawless is the kind of person who wouldn't it be amazing if Lucy Lawless fucking like <laughs> one day just uh, she like gets her kids get attacked, and she just suddenly yep. clicks on just yeah. like the mom of this movie, just starts fucking cutting people in half Xena style. Yeah, that sounds doing the very possible. Yes, starts <laughs> yeah. emulating. I think that's I think that actually works. The I think maybe it's some kind of sequel to Parks and Rec in which both Ron Swanson and Andy Dwyer die and they have to be fused together like Dogman from the Dogman <laughs> books da- by Dave Pilkey and uh because there are elements of Rick Mitchell that are absolutely Andy. Like you're totally right, especially mailing someone a friend request. <laughs> like, yeah. like I, I sent you, I sent you a friend request. Didn't you? Why didn't you answer it? And it's like they send it in the mail. It's like that's something not even Ron Swanson would do. Like he understands. He's savvy <laughs> enough. Andy is not. Andy eats out of frisbees. Like, and that's like that's Andy like now. Come on, you've never eaten out of a frisbee. Oh, no. we've all eaten out of a frisbee here. Like, right? We've all eaten out of a frisbee. I guess at a time. picnic. I guess at a picnic. <laughs> I guess at a picnic. <laughs> Everybody has to eat out of a frisbee from time to time here at Dave's Haunted Horse Hut. <laughs> so that's hut that like really horse hut. Horse hut. <laughs> You've heard of John horse hut. You've heard of <laughs> I didn't know another hut. Darga? Darga the hut. He's one. Well, horse mm. has been established as a hut. Horse hut. Horse hut. Horse hut. Uh, horse hut. Uh, horse hut. Yeah, watch up, horse hut. Oh, that's good. That's, that's nothing. That's him. That's yeah, that's it. That's, that's it's Let's nothing. Let's do another fucking it. contest. Yeah. Let's, no, don't yeah. condescend to me. Let's do another contest. <laughs> Feminist theory. Whoa. And I actually have thoughts ooh, on this one for this movie. Okay, good. Um, but I first want to open up the floor, see if you guys have any initial initial thoughts there were women in it and the women were cool therefore feminist got it That's all right so we, we're done we, we did mm-hmm. it yeah <laughs> yeah okay cool uh no i was gonna okay okay so i made it i made sort of a passing joke about how almost every miller and lord movie in the last few years has been about fathers and sons and this one they just mm. made it a girl um yeah. and that's 
still I still think that's true, but I think part of the part of what makes it kind of weird, uh, especially it being a girl, is that they're so there's so many aspects of Rick's identity that are wrapped up in toxic masculinity, but they don't address it like that. They address it more mm-hmm. as him being sort of out of touch with yeah. technology, yeah. of him right. being yeah. unaware of, of how those things go, rather than him being incapable of connecting on an emotional level with his daughter mm-hmm. because he's closed off, because mm-hmm. he's he's so he's so stuck in his ways as being like the father, the provider, the man of <laughs> the, the alpha, the yeah. alpha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a, and, and ultimately he is vindicated in some of his, in some of his behaviors. Um, he right. doesn't have to change that much truly to, to be redeemed by the end of the movie. Compared Most of the works put on the daughter, which I thought was yeah. really a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has to do, she has to do way more to, to meet him halfway than, than, than he does. Um, I yeah. found that I found that kind of frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's that's definitely a true thing. Cause like, mm-hmm. there were opportunities in this movie to address. Like, and I think they got close. Like, there were mm-hmm. there were times when, like, the conversation between Rick and Linda in the kitchen, where she's like, "Hey, this is actually a thing that you need to do. Like, you need to fix it." Like it, it's not mm-hmm. just like, oh, well, kids are going to be kids. Well, she'll get over it. It's fine. But the way that he fixes it is by going behind everybody's back and planning a thing that nobody consented to. And they all felt pressured into this road trip. Like, mm-hmm. that's not cool. Like, people should be able to say, no, I don't want to go on your dang road trip. But it's because he's seen as this, like, quirky, misunderstood that's just Rick, which is a little too close to boys will be boys. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right that like he is given these characteristics to put him out of touch and that's his problem. But the truth is that he's, he's got uh, issues with being emotionally vulnerable and mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Like and between, I- between that and the like not understanding computers jokes, like it really does seem like he was, a dad written in the 90s. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. And there are plenty yeah. of dads that would have done exactly the same thing that he did with that using the phone trying to log into YouTube thing like totally. I have witnessed dozens of customers do that while trying to access our website on their phones in our store. <laughs> People do and they they get confused and then they ch- literally change the language and they're like, "Well, I guess never mind." <laughs> you know, you can just try it again like you know, but so like that is a thing, but right. but as a characteristic of this guy, it is kind of one of those like, "Here's another building block on the 90s dad." Well, and yeah. I think what it comes down to is the proportionality of change that's required between the characters to feel like they've had emotional growth. His what like what does he really change about himself? Uh, he sort he stops lecturing his daughter about like getting a real degree or whatever. He lets her go to college as if that's a True. thing. It was like on the fence about uh <laughs> said he liked her videos well first of all watched her videos yeah, yeah. yes that's that's the thing that drives me nuts yeah. it's like he watched her videos and then he's like oh that's pretty fun and then that's she's like cool i love you now <laughs> it's yeah like, and he yeah. was like only convinced because he saw somebody else enjoying he's like oh you like this yes <laughs> mm. 
And then realize one of the characters was him. He but, needed yeah. external validation in right. order to validate his own daughter. Pretty um, cool. And then, like, he kind of learns to use technology a little bit, just in time. <laughs> right, uh, right, right, but, right. But for the most part, he's, like, he's still... He still demands, like, he still, he doesn't apologize for most of the movie. I was tracking it mm, because I was like, yeah. okay, his character keeps doing all this shitty stuff and not apologizing. Mm. The apology is going to be what turns it around. Like, they're going to yeah. make it, him realize that he never apologizes for anything, even when he does things that are clearly his fault. Uh, and I, like, it didn't ever really get there. Yeah. Like, he definitely did make amends, but it was never that sort of, like, hey, I've been a jerk, and I've been mm-hmm. doing all these dumb things, or, mm-hmm. like, and I I was responsible for X, Y, and Z that I didn't take responsibility for earlier. Yeah. But, like, all of that's just, that's the Rick problem. And I think that that's... The Rick problem. The Rick problem is its own little, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. little avenue here. Yeah. The one that I also want to focus on is Linda. Yep. Let's go. And the fact that that she represents there are only two kinds of female leads in this movie there's of course Katie who's the girl who I mean whatever she's a, she's a kid they, you know Katie's a good character mm-hmm. but like yeah you know uh, and then there's moms <laughs> and that's that's it it's like two moms really there's, there's <laughs> Linda and then there's Chrissy Teigen's character whose name oh right yeah. Uh, yeah who who knows uh, Haley Posey who bond mostly over their mothering like activities when they talk to each other who Mm. only talk about their families to each other uh she linda's a big moment of like oh i'm finally like i'm finally a badass is my son's in trouble yeah uh and i'm a mom yep and so that was it yeah that was the that like, bummer about you're not going to give her really another cool reason, thing. like yeah. any additional reason. Like right. obviously, there's a lot going on, but I just felt like it's weird that that was a catalyst when it's like, no, the world could end. I feel like that's a sufficient enough reason for her to like pull out all the stuffs. <laughs> and I like if it weren't the only thing, I I feel like if if there were somehow a bunch of other triggers to become super powered versions of themselves like maybe it wouldn't be so glaring but like the mom activation like scary mommy power type thing is really that's a that's not helpful well and specifically she says and i can't remember if it's in that moment or a little bit earlier where she very declaratively is like i am linda i can't remember her last Mm -hmm. name uh, and I am a mother of two. Yep. And that's her description of herself. Yep, exactly. And I was like, there's, that's her identity. That's your identity is yeah. as a mom. And that's why she has that power is because she's a mom. Yeah. And nothing else. And it's right. kind of like, that seems lazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, kind of nineties. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I'm getting the sense that the script has been written for a while. <laughs> yeah. And then they just kind of like tweaked it. Yeah. A bit. But just not enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't, and like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to say this movie is sexist or whatever, but I just, you know, I think it's important to note where these, these are, you know, kids movies especially are where a lot of pop culture tropes 
at their ba- most basic forms show up. Mm-hmm. Totally. And even yeah. when it's a kid's movie that's made by people who seem to have a more modern sensibility, mm-hmm. and they still perpetuate these same sort of gender roles, these same sort of tropes, these same limiting attitudes towards what people can be, what they can talk about, uh, you know, who gets to be the, the main character of the story. I mean, I, I sort of, like, I don't think it's a real thing, but the fact that if you look on Netflix, Danny McBride is credited ahead <laughs> of Abby Jacobson uh-huh. uh, for yeah. the actors in this movie, I think speaks a lot about, it doesn't actually say anything, but I think it's indicative, or at least uh, it mirrors sort of the problem that this yeah. movie has with wanting to have its cake and eat its too eat it too by having this female protagonist but also making most of the focus on the movie's emotional growth on her dad um yeah. she doesn't you know she has to sort of like meet him she has to figure mm-hmm. out what his deal is and like find sympathy for him and his problems and his failing his past failings and how those are coming back to haunt him and so she is sort of like having to do all this emotional labor on his behalf and he like is trying, and I, I, I'm glad that they acknowledge that it's like, okay, he's trying, he doesn't always get it right. Like, that's fine mm-hmm. in doses. Like, after a while, it's like, oh, it's like there's a point, there's a point where you go too far. <laughs> there's a point where you've done too many things and you need to actually change your behavior or you're a piece of shit. Right. And he, he definitely crosses the line a few times. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And that, what a, what a beautiful opportunity to tackle that. Like, what yeah. a golden egg. Of an opportunity because they they weren't afraid of having those emotional moments like that was not a fear of the movie it wasn't like oh we can't portray sad things or we can't portray people being vulnerable like that was that wasn't a problem right so they could have done that and the fact that it's not there is kind of telling that they wanted to go with surface level comfortable the gender roles we all know like normativity to a t like all of it 100 percent of the family was normative it's a very nuclear family set Mm -hmm. yep 100 percent. the only thing that deviates from that at all is that she has a a rainbow pin and she maybe dates a girl like yeah that's it (laughs) that they threw away at the very end yeah which was like dating this girl wink 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 like Okay, but okay, but didn't even not even dating, like when are you gonna bring her home? Like still yes. not even saying there's like, enough you are plausible deniability yep, that exactly. they can keep the parent yeah. groups from complaining, uh-huh. which is kind of frustrating. Cowards. That that I don't know. Like that could be like a studio mandated thing too, because like studios are so yeah. touchy about that shit. It sucks. In movies, yeah, either way, it sucks. It costs so cares? much money to make them. Yeah, um, which is still bullshit, uh, obviously. But anyway. Uh, any other thoughts that we have on feminism, toxic masculinity, any of the other sort of general mm. topics in that zone? Uh, I This is only a little bit related, but on one hand, I really liked Charlene Yee's character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, right. I forgot about Charlene Yee's character. Abby Posey, the, the one part mm. of the Posey family that's a little weird, <laughs> being mm. a dinosaur obsessed also. And... Uh, and how she's a little bit like, hey, I'm I'm just I'm a girl that likes dinosaurs, and there's this boy that likes dinosaurs, and like, this is just an interest that people can share with each other. But it was a little bit of a bummer that like those kids are like eight or nine, and they were like, look, a romantic subplot, and I was like, are you sure? Like, yeah. are you sure Mitchell's versus the machines? Like, it doesn't have to be that. Well, and what's their relationship dynamic? 
She comes up to him and tries to talk to him uh-huh. on his level. He runs away, and she's like, oh, jeez. Oh, boys. Yeah, like, they can't well, be emotionally run- vulnerable, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'll go over to his house anyway, even though he'll jump out the window. Well, yep. he runs away, like, screaming mean things, too, doesn't he? Like, yeah. Never talks yeah. Like, I hate you. Never mind. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. talk to you again. I'll never talk to you again. I hate you. Goodbye. <laughs> Which, like, was kind of funny, but you're absolutely right. Oh, it's definitely, right. it's like, definitely funny, yeah. but it's also, like, why, so why, who, what, what per- woman, what girl, what human being is, like, th- multiple times that happens and she's like, oh, I'll come back again. Uh, I'll keep it, doing this. It's the curse of being straight. <laughs> That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, I don't want to, like, again. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. But it's important to note where these things crop up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you can so you can identify them for yourself. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. yourself. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, we did it. <gasps> we did a whole episode. We we talked about the Mitchells versus the Machines. Did you remember? We we just did it. Oh yeah, we did just do it. Yeah, that. Huh, you're right. That's you know what? We should be proud of ourselves because we did a whole episode where we talked about things like um, whether it was a stealth sequel to something. Mm, that's true. We also put a stand in it. We sure did. Yeah, we found out if it was Die Hard. And we talked about it in terms of feminist theory. You guys, we remembered them all this time. And we put a stand in it. Okay, did it. <laughs> I did it again. Uh, yeah, you sure did. Give but, me hey, more Dave, claps. You know, David, since since you're looking for more recognition, how about you go ahead and tell us about anything you got to plug? Mm, recognize me. To, mm, uh, so recognize one of, me. One of the things that I'd like to plug is the time that we put a stand in it on this show. <laughs> I thought that was really good, and you should go back and listen to that and then come back here. Uh, and you can listen to the rest of this if you want, or you can just, like, skip to the end so we get the listen. Uh, but you should probably go back and, or you know what? I would say go on a different podcast platform, listen to it again, but really focus on the part with the stand in it. And I think that'll, mm-hmm, I think that'll mm-hmm. be good. Uh, yeah. that way we get two listens and you get to enjoy that part where we put a stand in it. That is what I'd like to plug. It's much like how sunlight looks different in different parts of the world. Our sunlight. podcast sounds different on other platforms. You yeah, should definitely it test does. it out to see if that's true. It makes perfect sense. The mm-hmm, Spotify mm-hmm. palette is tasty, but it, but pre-download it on Podcast Addict has its uh, has its particular mm-hmm. salty elements. And Stitcher has its own little joie de vivre. <laughs> but yeah, it's completely different. Thing. I don't know. Anyway. Go listen to the Hypotheticast. It's fun. Yeah, sure is, bud. Yeah. Okay, Matthew, do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, nah. Um, <laughs> nah. But uh, my bit of pop culture to share um, is something that uh, Christian you actually recommended to me. Uh, mm. Kipo and Age of the Wonder Beasts on Netflix. Um, it is a delightful show with absolutely rad music mm-hmm. oh yes absolutely <laughs> it's it's so good mm. um david have you watched Kipo? yeah dude well first season i know there's more now i've watched the first season loved it nice beautiful okay aesthetically in in almost every way but yeah i've not seen more yeah. than the first i i am just a few episodes into the second or just two episodes in the second was that just one episode three episodes into the second. we watched two. we watched the first three that's right so yeah, I'm not much further than you got. <laughs> yeah, and I just started episode. I finished the first episode of season three last, uh, not last night, the night before. Anyway, 
So yeah, yeah uh, we none of us have finished the show. Yeah, it's only three seasons though, three ten uh, episode seasons. Um, very manageable, and it's very delightful, and I definitely recommend it. Uh, Christian, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I do uh, not have anything specific and personal I'd like to plug, although I did. Uh, I do have all my playlists up on Spotify still. Uh, I always try and keep them keep them a little bit fresh. My best of playlist is ahead of schedule, actually. Nice. I'm almost up. I think I'm at 29, which this time last year I was probably at like 15. So definitely at a better clip uh, for 2021 than I was in 2020 as far as listening to new music goes. But as far as a pop culture recommendation as well, I am going to. I would like to <laughs> recommend uh, a PC game by the name of Before Your Eyes. It's a very unique experience that requires a webcam. I mean, technically, you can play it without a webcam. There is an option to do that, but I cannot imagine that being nearly as interesting. Um, but it's a game where uh, using a webcam, you interact with the game via blinking. Uh, so you select things by blinking, and then at various points in the game, uh, time moves when you blink. So you're like hearing a story, and you're trying to follow along with it. And as soon as you blink, though, that that part's gone. And so you're following this person's life, and sort of like trying to experience things. But sometimes things just slip past you because you can't keep your mm. eyes open forever. And mm. Uh, it's like it's such an interesting experiment and honestly by the end of it I mean I beat it in an hour and a half and I wept like fully wept like I don't think I've ever fully. cried that hard at a video game in my life Dang. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the game itself or because my whole situation but I recommend it to anyone who has the opportunity to play it before your eyes. I'm hoping that they'll bring it to mobile or tablet yeah, or something too. Yeah. Um, I think, that would I think it would also sense. be really fun in VR. Totally. Um, yeah. But because uh, I, I, I think more people need to experience this. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it is tricky because it needs to be something that has that right. camera. But like every phone and iPad and stuff, like they all have cameras. Yeah, it's exactly. kind of weird that it yeah. wasn't a mobile game to begin with. Now that I think about it. Yeah, honestly, like <laughs> it's a little tricky because you do have to like look around with your yeah. mouse. But you can mm -hmm. use like your thumb. You could, like... you could exactly. Yeah, I yeah. think especially with a tablet, it would be like mm -hmm. it would be easy. To you do. could even have it where like you you move your phone in a different way, like with your hand, like an a like an ARG, like Pokemon Go. Yeah, and you're looking I mean, at different could, parts of a scene. Pokemon Go to the polls. Yeah, if you Pokemon could, uh, if they could figure <laughs> that out, that would be really cool. That would be really neat. Because then you could do it like VR style, uh, honestly. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah, that sounds uh, awesome. Your eyes. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Recommend. I want to. Uh, well, folks, thank you so much for listening. We will be back again next time with a whole new thing. Huh? We don't know what that's going to be yet. I doubt it's going to be something from 2021, but who the fuck knows? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Um, Not me. In the meantime, all that is left for us this episode is to ask the question that I ask every time of my dear friend, uh, Mr. David Gutchy. David, do you have any final thoughts you would like to leave us with? The naughty sprite can't torch the stranger. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Contextual Deviance. You can find more information about us online at our website, contextualdeviance.wordpress.com. You can tweet at us at taxdeviance. You can email us at contextualdeviance at gmail.com. Thanks to Minneapolis's own The Badman for the use of their song Gun Tonic off the album Ain't Clean. This has been Contextual Deviance. My name is Christian Hagen, and have a nice day. Have a nice day!